1: Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome back to Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast here on BuffaloRumblings.com and everywhere else you go to get your fine Bills podcast. My name is John Boccasino, the OG host of this podcast since April of 2018. So pleased to be bringing you, look at that, a little history lesson for you, buddy.
2: Yeah, I mean, how many people know that John Boccasino is the the original MC? Of Buffalo Rumblings podcasts.
1: You know, there's very few times in my life when I can use the phrase OG and actually have it be true and not just some delusion in my head. (laughs) And
2: uh, this is one of those, you know. (laughs) While we're talking about you here on Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast, I think it's relevant that we discuss this. John Bacassino completed his master's degree this week. Hey, thanks for the... uh John. You need to take a bow, man. The the
1: audience can't see because, duh, it's a podcast, but I am taking a bow. I am very proud of the work with Syracuse University and getting this master's degree wrapped up. It's been a long, strange three years through the executive program, but uh, I am happy to have a executive master's in public policy and public administration from the Maxwell School at Syracuse. And that has absolutely nothing to do with the Buffalo Bills and Believe, but it does have something to do with the level of personal satisfaction of completing a goal and seeing it from start to finish. And this has been a dream of mine to get a master's degree. And uh, now we have it. So Jamie, D'Amico, always appreciate your support, buddy. And thanks for sh- throwing me the uh, the shout out there.
2: Oh, you're, you're welcome. And it does have something to do with Believe because you are our illustrious host and and also, I think it's very relevant to tell everybody how you celebrated when you completed your 25-minute presentation on Zoom. This is good.
1: Yes. Yeah, so for all those kids out there listening who uh, have you know major life goals you're going after, so here's the thing. Focus hard, buckle down, get the goals set, and take care of your business. And then as soon as you are done with the business part of it, turn to pleasure i was sitting there on my zoom sipping a lovely great lakes christmas ale out of a coffee mug with the buffalo bills charging logo on the front so nobody was the wiser and i'm sitting back there sipping on a fine fine christmas ale celebrating that presentation being in the rearview mirror
2: and that is one of the best out there great choice brother and Cheers to you. I wish I had one at the exact same time. <laughs> you know, you you were there in spirit, Jamie. We, you
1: and I have developed this, uh, I don't know, kindred spirit mentality when it comes to the podcast. And for those that are listening, and hopefully hopefully, there's a lot of people that are checking out our pod, but Jamie and I have actually never met face-to-face. This has solely been through the Zoom, uh, through the Zencaster platform, uh, when when things are safe and, and able to, we would love to do maybe a a Facebook Live or something where we actually could get together and he and I could be in the same place, uh, chat and Buffalo Bills football. But I feel like you're my adopted brother, Jamie, and I say that with all due respect and love because uh, you know you've been a really good presence here on the pod, and I uh, you know I just appreciate the uh,
2: the support, man. I'm glad that we're not on video right now because I, I'm blushing. Oh, man, the holiday (laughs) feels
1: all of them right there.
2: All of them. But man, getting back to football, we had an incredible game last last Monday, and we have an incredible game coming up this weekend. It is a great time to be a Bills fan, isn't it? I tell you, you know, we it was it was an awesome it was it was such like
1: a surreal feeling watching the Monday night game and the Bills win 34-24. The game wasn't that close. Uh Nick Mullins led a couple of garbage time, you know, fourth quarter drives. And Buffalo from the start, this was an interesting game because when the Bills drove down and got to the the one or the two and got stopped on fourth and goal, you're like, all right, this is not the way we wanted to go. But the Bills moved up and down the field at will. And then the Niners did the same thing and they got stopped at like the one yard line. And you're like, all right, you know, the defenses are are bending, but not breaking. And then the key moment to me, Jamie, you know, Zach Moss fumbles the ball at the two yard line. The Niners go in and score. And then Josh just is like, all right, that happened. Let's put it behind us and moves, moves them 75 yards downfield. I mean, it was an incredible Resilient drive. The fact that you know Josh Allen had perhaps his finest game. Uh, the national audience gets to see it. Four touchdown passes. Seventy-five percent completions for his passes. His sixth three hundred yard game this year. Jamie, that to me was just so much fun to watch
2: this offense really move at will. You know, it it seemed as though the Buffalo offense was inevitable. It seemed like, especially by the time the third quarter came around, there was nothing that was going to stop them. They were clicking on all cylinders. Brian Dable was calling a great game. Josh Allen was not only incredibly accurate, but he was making great decisions. The offensive line was pass blocking. The receivers could not be stopped. This is exactly what you want to see from your offense. And oh, by the way, the defense did a very good job of shutting down a good rushing team. Now, Nick Mullins, he played pretty well through most of the game, but you can see that he's still young. He's got got some work to do, but I think he can be a decent quarterback in the NFL. And this was a team that went in against a 49ers team that was ready to punch them in the mouth. The 49ers are incredibly physical, and in fact, I would say that that was the most physical opponent that the Bills have played against since that ill-fated game against the Arizona Cardinals that for all intents and purposes ended the productive career of Trent Edwards when the Bills were just physically pummeled in that game. Trent Edwards ends up with a concussion and then was afraid to be on the field the rest of the way. And that's what the Niners looked like, but the Bills slugged right back at them. It was a fun, fun game if you were a Bills fan.
1: Heck yeah. Everybody out there in Bills Mafia was enjoying the victory, enjoying the fact this was a dominant performance. And you're right, Jamie. This this was one of those Josh Allen going up against the, uh, the Niners. You expect him to kind of get hit a little bit, get pressured. We talked about the blitzes and what Robert Sala would bring for San Francisco, their defensive coordinator. I believe Josh got sacked once and hit three times somewhere around there um, during the game. He was barely touched. Gives so much credit to this offensive line, too, for really, no matter who was in the rotation, no matter who was out there, we know Deion Dawkins is a stud, and we know that John Feliciano is a, is an absolute beast out there. But Ike Botker continues his revelation, but really it's all about Feliciano, Botker, and Dawkins for, for carrying the day for me. And Daryl Williams did not have a great game by his standards. You know, he's actually we'll get to him a little bit when it comes to previewing the Steelers, because he is going to be the key player uh, of the game for me on the offensive line with T.J. Watt and that ferocious pass rush. But it was so incredible to see how no matter who was in the lineup, this offensive line did what they needed to do. The running game struggled yet again. Uh, Devin Singletary, you know, still, Jamie, this has been a season long problem when it comes to the rushing attack. But give, again, a lot of credit to the the offensive line guys for giving Allen time in the pocket to throw. And when Allen had time, I mean, my gosh, Jamie, every one of the four touchdown passes he threw was an example in both precision, quick read, and a great play call to put him in a position to succeed where he had three or four options where he could have gone to.
2: Yes, absolutely. And even the ones that weren't scoring plays, were fantastic. And the one that comes to mind was that absolute strike to uh, Gabe Davis that went right over Fred Warner's outstretched hands. And he just, he dropped it in, in, in a bucket with some zip on it and threw Davis open. Not only that, but Cole Beasley. Can you say enough about the guy this year? He has been, I, I'm not going to say the most valuable player on offense because that's that's obviously the Josh Allen to Stefan Diggs connection, but he may be the most important player outside of those two because he just always moves the chains and he's so reliable. Yeah, you know, he
1: really is. He is the you know, and and I loved seeing the graphic that you know Cole Beasley now has the record for most touchdown receptions for somebody five feet eight and under what a what a what a what a fun stat to roll out for the national audience but he is somebody who you're right he moves the sticks he knows exactly you never see cole beasley run a route where he needs seven yards and runs a five yard pass he always goes where he needs to go he finds the crevices in the zone defense I appreciate the fact that he is just like your your blue collar lunch bucket go to work guy who finds the holes, and he has such a great chemistry with Josh Allen out there. It was so much fun to see him go for what 133 yards in the first half, and you know, he was the MVP of the first half of the game by far. I mean, I, and, and not to toot my own horn, but I I did call uh, Cole having a, a phenomenal performance. It was kind of. It was kind of low-hanging fruit, Jamie, a little bit because we we talked about the corners and the slot guys that the Niners were without on, on Monday Night Football. But still, just because I mean, every receiver had a huge effort. You know, you talked about Gabriel Davis and how Josh threw him open and what a great route Gabe ran to get that touchdown pass. Isaiah McKenzie, when they fake the jet sweep and he does the wheel route and because of the speed that he built up coming in motion across the line of scrimmage, was able to scurry past the corner and be wide open for the third of the touchdown passes. I mean, Stefan Diggs was bottled up in the long game, but he still had 10 catches for 88 yards, proving that he can be both a possession and a deep receiver. I mean, you have to be so pleased with the way this offensive game plan was executed by Brian Dable who is slowly becoming a very hot commodity in the head coaching market.
2: It's really funny because people talk about Brian Dable and they're like, "Oh, well he likes it in Buffalo and maybe he'll stay even if he's offered a head coaching position." Stop it. There's 33 head co- or 32 head coaching jobs in the NFL, only 8 a season ever come open. It's it's like the apex of the profession. There's no chance anybody chooses to stay a coordinator if a reasonable position for a head coach opens up. You know, you might you might have coordinators that would prefer to not go and coach the Jets, but Brian is gonna become a head coach and for good reason. Um he's they they say that his ascent has really been built around the fact that he's become a heck of a lot more flexible uh, they say that when he was a coach for the browns he was very rigid very patriot style now he takes a lot of feedback from his players and incorporates that into what he's doing and let's not uh, let let's not undersell. The effect he's had on the evolution of Josh Allen, who quite frankly, I didn't ever see him playing as well as he does now. Um, He's inconsistent and he's got to work some of that out. He makes some bad decisions. We didn't see those this past week, but the next step for Josh Allen is being able to do it regularly. And I think Brian Dable can get him there, but the beauty of what we have right now is that... I have faith in the coaching staff where if somebody leaves, either the coaching staff or the front office, that the Bills have the ability to backfill those positions because they have filled the ranks with quality and qualified people. And that's not something we've seen for a long time. And perhaps... I have created a segue. I was picking up what you're laying down there,
1: buddy, when it came to, uh, Beautiful. you know, th- this is what, this is the chemistry you get here. The seamless transitions on Believe with myself, John Boccasino <laughs> and Jamie D'Amico, the incomparable Jamie D'Amico bringing his opinions here with us on Believe. And, 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 the segue is perfect because Brandon Bean earlier this week agreed to a contract extension that like Sean McDermott will keep him in Buffalo through the 2025 season. The peace of mind of just knowing that you're one, two, they're in lockstep, they're on the same page, and they know exactly what they want to do and how they want to build this long-term winner. Buffalo is not a one-year or a two-year wonder. This team is here to stay, and this offense is legit scary when they're clicking on all cylinders, and the defense is rounding into form. They've made great draft decisions. They've made prudent financial moves in the free agent market. Uh, Jamie, there's really very little that Bills fans can complain about when it comes to this regime and it all starts with brandon bean so it was great news to see the sunglassed boy wonder get extended in buffalo (laughs) for a
2: couple more years i also noticed when they showed him during monday night it looks like he's getting a little bit of a gut um so brandon we hope you're eating well but COVID
1: 19 it's not just a pandemic it's a state of mind when it comes to our i've put on some pounds during the pandemic how can you not we stress eat and drink eat our way through uh uh, the days and everything being so chaotic, but it's great to see that Brandon Bean's going to have his contract extension. We talked about this during the off season. It was a no brainer. It was only a matter of time, and thank goodness the Bills locked up Brandon Bean. Now, I do want to say, Jamie, on the on the matter of this offense, um, you know, a lot of people are talking about you know Josh Allen and where his place is, and he still can't seem to get the wholehearted respect of all the pundits, a lot of people are coming around on the bills. I'm not one of those guys who's like, man, if the, if the national media doesn't swoon over my team, you know, the heck with them, what's wrong with them? Like they can think what they want to think and the bills will have chances to prove them right or wrong with their play on the field. But I am so happy to see what Josh Allen has done this year, proving all those doubters and critics Wrong, and I want to point out there was a really cool article um, done on uh, one of our rival sites on Buffalo Rumblings, New York Upstate. Matt Perino put together a great piece, kind of built off of an interview that um, that uh, Josh Allen did with NBC uh, heading into Sunday Night Football, and they were talking about the mechanics and what Josh has done differently from last year and I want to mention this here because I think it's huge when it comes to his development. We all know how great Aaron Rodgers is with Green Bay. A perennial MVP candidate, they might be the best team in a pretty down NFC, but he's still leading a very potent Packers attack. And Josh Allen stole something from Aaron Rodgers mechanics that is really leading this transformation and this renaissance this year. And it includes, he says he's incorporated a little foot hop on the left side of his throwing motion, copying what Aaron Rodgers does. He goes, I'm not really sure what it's all about, but that foot hop allows me to rotate with my hips more, and be more of a rotational thrower as opposed to more of a vertical axis thrower. And in the past, that being a vertical axis thrower caused my ball to sail and dive down on the deep balls when it really shouldn't have. Well, Jamie, the success and the proof is in the pudding because Josh is on pace to shatter the franchise record for passing yards in a season and passing touchdowns between that little foot hop and the work with quarterback guru Jordan Palmer in the offseason where they were running through. Uh, His throwing motion and every throw he's done uh, to analyze the throwing mechanics really has bore itself out well for Bills fans and for Josh Allen.
2: Yes, and I think we should probably give some credit to uh, Ken Dorsey, the quarterback coach too, who would probably be next in line to be offensive coordinator if Brian Dable leaves. But I'm glad you brought up that article. It was very interesting because Josh Allen really got into some of the nuts and bolts. Uh, And when he was working with Jordan Poyer, uh, not Jordan Poyer, uh, Jordan Palmer, uh, the quarterback guru. Apparently, Palmer put s- uh, all kinds of like uh, slow camera and body detection, movement detection equipment on him to find out what Josh Allen was doing when he was throwing. And the way you should be throwing the ball as a quarterback is your hips begin the rotation. Your hips followed with your chest, shoulder, arm, then hand. Your hand should basically be the last thing that comes through. Well, they discovered that Josh Allen was having the ability to throw the ball through a brick wall despite not using his lower body And rotating through, he was all arm at the moment. And I have seen an interview actually with, um, Pat McAfee, where, um, where Josh Allen was talking about it. And he said that he has added a few miles per hour to his throws just by having better mechanics. And you think to yourself, how is that possible that he's throwing harder now than he did when he came out? Usually it goes the opposite direction but he's actually throwing the ball harder with less effort. That's what you want. You want your quarterback putting less effort into his throws because that's where your accuracy is going to come from when you're playing within yourself. And we're seeing a great increase in accuracy from Josh Allen. Now, I don't want to turn this into the Josh Allen show, but really, he put on such a clinic and had such a colossal performance against the 49ers. It's it's hard to get away from it right now. Yeah, no you're right. It sits
1: with you in such a positive fashion just seeing him again shred what was supposed to be a very physical uh dominant defense in the 49ers and and you're right Jamie, the fact that he's adding zip and velocity uh the other quote here that you were alluding to Whereas Josh admitting that his arm and his shoulder were beating his hip and chest to the actual point of release, meaning all of that velocity was coming from his upper body and not the lower body, not the hips, not the follow through part of it. So it's great to see that Josh has that awareness of knowing what he needs to do to improve and how he can get better. And again, it's been a phenomenal season so far for Josh Allen, who has guided the bills to a nine and three record so far heading into this Sunday night clash with the Pittsburgh Steelers, another primetime opportunity for the Buffalo Bills to get that coveted statement win. I don't think the Bills need a statement win. I think the Bills play has been proof enough of how good this team is. Now, granted, there's people you're never going to win over who want to see you beat everybody on your schedule by 30 points to prove that you're the best contender out there, but there is not a team like that this year in the NFL. Even the Chiefs have shown moments of vulnerability. I mean, they let the Broncos hang around on, on their last matchup. They've had some games that have gone pretty close that they shouldn't have gone close. So, I mean, it's it's one of those things where nobody is blowing every team out of the water week in and week out. But I will say, Jamie, this is a big opportunity for Buffalo because one of the knocks on Sean McDermott and the Bills during their run to, re- to, 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 re- to relevance and their run to the top of the AFC East, the Bills have not beaten a Super Bowl contending, or even a top-tiered team in the AFC, which is why Sunday's game with the Steelers is so important because until they lost to Washington uh, in a pretty unexpected game this past Monday night, the Steelers have been talked about as the legitimate challenger to the Kansas City Chiefs throne in the AFC. This is Buffalo's opportunity to make another big statement on national TV, and I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on this
2: topic. The Bills need the win, in order to keep pace with the surprising Miami Dolphins, who are only one game behind the Bills and looking more and more dangerous as the season goes on. They're getting good quarterback play from a rookie and from our old buddy Fitz. When it comes to the Pittsburgh Steelers, though, pundits have been down on them because they have won a lot of close games. Close games against teams that you would think an undefeated team up until last week should be blowing out. The issue there is that good teams win close games. Now, they say close games, one-score games are a bad indicator of a team's dominance, but I think it takes a lot of guts and grit to pull those games out. So, Looking at a stat recently, in the last four years, every Super Bowl winner has been in the top seven in defense. Well, this Pittsburgh Steelers team is number one in defense, and that is what is going to keep them in games, especially against a team like Buffalo that has some issues on the offensive line. Look, the Steelers' defensive front is so dominant right now and led by TJ Watt, who is by far and away the best pass rusher in the NFL right now. I think he's going to give the Bills fits, and this is going to be a very difficult game for the Buffalo Bills. And are we looking for a statement win right now? I think that's overrated. I think a statement win is what you do to prove to the world that you're a good team. I think people know that the Bills are a good team. I just don't think we know how good yet because they got stomped by Kansas City and st- stomped by the titans now the titans aren't playing as well of late they were much better earlier in the season and the bills are on the rise they're getting players healthy their defense is playing better they're figuring some things out on offense do the bills need this win or is it almost better is it almost better if they lose this game and get people overlooking them when it comes to playoff time now we know we need the Bills to win the division, but is it would a loss be the worst thing? I'll tell you this Jamie, my my gut
1: reaction uh to the question is it would not be I I the Bills need to win this game in my in my opinion and not just because okay, so the Dolphins are nipping at Buffalo's heels, but I still like Buffalo's chances more than the Dolphins down the stretch. The Dolphins have to play the Chiefs, they have to play the Patriots, they have to play the Raiders in Vegas and then they close out the year with the Buffalo Bills. I like Buffalo's schedule to close out the year more than I do what the Dolphins have to do. And I just like the way this Bills team is better put together. I think they can score points quicker. They can have a better defense than Miami does. I think Buffalo's defense is quietly rounding into form. You looked at the plays last week that happened every time San Fran tried to threaten and get near the goal line. Micah Hyde had a pick. Trey White had a pick. The Defense played well and didn't really allow much of a damage on the ground game. But to go back to your question, I I want the Bills to win this game because I'm so tired of that overplayed narrative that they need to get a statement win. Uh, Dan Orlovsky got into it with Keyshawn Johnson in a really good exchange, if you saw that, where Keyshawn says things to rile up people and to get them going. And his take was so wrong on Buffalo. He was taking away from the Bills win over the Rams, saying they were a different team when they played them. Well, whose fault is that the bills play who they play, who's in front of them when they're supposed to play them. Same thing with Seattle. He was trying to diminish the whooping that the bills put on Russell Wilson. And he's saying things to get clickbait and get views out there. The bills, they need this win because of this, they need to secure the AFC East and they need to keep pace in the standings in the conference. Now there there's very slim chance. They're going to get the number one overall. seed. the chiefs would have to have their schedule go all funhouse mirror and go to hell and and fall apart in a heartbeat. That's not going to happen. But the Bills do need, I believe, that win over a quality top-level AFC team and this is their best opportunity because again, like you said, they lost to the Chiefs, they lost to the Titans. This Steelers team, even though they're wounded because of the loss to Washington, they are still a very capable team. They're getting back James Conner this week, which is going to change the dynamic of that offense, which has been very pass heavy the last couple of weeks. And I think that's what got them into trouble the last couple of games. But more importantly, Jamie, I know I'm rambling here, but I still like this matchup for Buffalo heading in. I know that the defensive players for Pittsburgh, like TJ Watt, are going to be very concerning when it comes to slowing them down, but the Steelers are banged up. Losing linebacker Devin Bush for the whole year was massive losing bud dupree to the achilles injury that was a huge blow to this team and i just i like the way buffalo is gelling heading into this game
2: i i think you're 100 correct especially on the defensive side of the ball the bills are bringing it together but i don't think you can overlook the quality of this defense even though they're they're missing some people the pittsburgh steelers have such a good defensive front um you know, it sort of starts in the center with Tyson Alauala, who might be the best nose tackle in the game right now. Lining up next to him is Cameron Hayward, who, if it wasn't for T.J. Watt being an all-world pass rusher this year, uh, he would be considered the best player on the Pittsburgh defense. But T.J. Watt, this is how great of a pass rusher he's been this year. He has 12 sacks, and leads the NFL in quarterback hits with 45 the next closest is Aaron Donald with 33 so he is leaps and bounds better than everybody around him and if you remember that game last year he was everywhere causing fumbles getting into the backfield covering people downfield he he's been an absolute terror out there and Now it helps that Devin Bush and Bud Dupree, the linebackers are not going to be in the game. Um, But you know, Oh, also Joe Hayden, I think, are they getting him back this week or is he out still? He is still out, which is a huge loss for the secondary because what Jamie you've
1: hit on this perfectly, what the Steelers do so well with their defense. They lead the league in takeaways with 23 sacks with 44 and also fewest first downs allowed and fewest points allowed. So they are a very good unit, but missing Dupree and missing Bush and missing Joe Hayden, you've seen a different Steelers defense. Alex Smith was able to march the Washington football team up and down the field when they needed points in the second half. And if Alex Smith and that ragtag Washington offense can do it, I have a lot of faith that Brian Dable and the Bills offense can pull it together if they get the protection on the offensive line. And that's where Daryl Williams, I mentioned it during the introduction. This is his time to shine because he has been a free agent revelation so far here in 2020. But two of his worst performances have come in the last three weeks, and that trend needs to get reversed in a hurry because TJ Watt is going to be a handful and the Bills need Williams to play his best football.
2: Oh, man, Bosa of the Chargers just he seemed to play the entire game in the Bills backfield and you've got. TJ Watt, he tends to come off that right-hand side and we have seen that that Williams struggles with speed rushers. So, how what is going to happen? He's struggled with speed rushers. The Bills have struggled up the middle with bull rushers, especially Mitch Morse uh, on running plays, and you have two really big dudes. So what do the Bills have to do there? I think that they're going to have to scheme up some ways of getting around that. I think this would be a great time to move the pocket and have Josh Allen rolling out. Um, make Make the defensive front of the Pittsburgh Steelers change their direction. And even though that's going to cause Josh Allen to work with half a field at a time or even a third of the field, I think you're going to have to do that to help out that offensive line a little bit. Because I don't like the matchup when it comes the Bills' offensive line against the Steelers' defensive front.
1: Yeah, this is a bigger challenge for sure than what San Francisco presented uh, last week on Monday Night Football.
0: Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. I will
1: say, Jamie, one of the key things we can look for, again, with Josh Allen and this offense facing the blitzing pressure of Pittsburgh is going to be those quick release passes where, again, Cole Beasley could have another big day operating in the slot. Diggs and Gabriel Davis, I expect them to have huge games. I think Buffalo is clearly going to throw the ball to be successful and bills lead the NFL in operating out of the four wide receiver sets, trying to spread out the offense. And Josh has done a great job in reading and reacting very quickly this year, picking up the blitzer, finding the open route or the hot route, the guy to toss it to when the pressure is coming in. So I'm not what I'm going to say. Jamie goes against what I just said. The bills are going to pass the ball quite a bit on Sunday, but this has to be a game. I feel where the bills also stick with the running game and do more design runs like they did against the chargers who also happen to have a phenomenal pass rusher uh, that you mentioned before in Bosa who terrorized Buffalo's offensive line, the bills and Devin Singletary. I have a lot of faith after seeing what Singletary did last week, that he is back at the top of the pecking order for the running backs. Zach Moss got punished for that goal line fumble. Maybe they mix the two backs in again, but I see it being Buffalo, doing, say, 20 to 25 design running plays to go with their aerial attack. And to me, that's going to be the difference. Brian Dable keeping the Steelers defense on their heels, whether it's getting the play action, whether it's rolling out the pocket with Josh Allen and making the Steelers defensive players adjust on the fly and keeping them honest with a good running game. I know it's easy to say hard to do, but that's a script I would follow where Dable can mix in his four receiver sets and still do some of those heavy formations when it comes to two tight ends or two backs out there to help spread out the Steelers on their plays.
2: You know, we always say that having a balanced offense is important. Why do you think it's particularly important this week? I just feel like if Buffalo is forced into a game, okay, let's look back
1: to what was it? The um Was it the Rams or the Seahawks game where Buffalo had 25 straight passes before they ran the ball or something ridiculous like that? I don't want that to be the game plan that Dable follows because I feel like the Steelers know that Buffalo's strength is their passing game. And that's why you need to keep them honest by going to the running game. If they can develop the run and get the running game going, that will open up the play action that will open up Josh Allen, maybe to do some more design runs. Although we've seen him kind of limited with his rushing abilities the last couple of weeks due to that ankle issue that he's dealing with. But I think the running game is important because the Bills cannot get one-dimensional against this Pittsburgh team. That's exactly what has doomed Pittsburgh the last couple of weeks. They barely beat a banged-up Baltimore squad, and they lost to Washington because they had no threat of a running game with James Conner missing action for Pittsburgh. So for me, that balance is paramount to success for this week to just let Josh do what he needs to do. They need to have the running game get going. What do you think?
2: I, I think that... I mean, the Bills are such a a pass-first team at this point, and I think a lot of it is by necessity because the offensive line is just not opening things up for the running backs. I think think going into the postseason especially, they need to find that because the teams that are successful late in the year when it comes January are the teams that are balanced they're balanced pass versus run, they're balanced offense defense, they're balanced uh, on defense when it comes to defending the run and the pass. So, you know, I think that there's a lot of balance that the Bills need to achieve in order to be the team we want them to be. You know, like I said, the teams that perform well defensively are the ones that go to the Super Bowl. And at this point, I think we're we're looking very realistically at where we were the beginning of the season when we said if the Bills don't win a playoff game, it's probably going to be a disappointment. Now, the Bills have similar record at this point in the season, or like the same record they had last year, but this feels like a better team. They're playing better opponents and they're also showing consistently that they can do things they couldn't do last year. This is a better team. So what are they going to do with it? Well, um, I I think here we have an opportunity to to start getting into that mold by doing what you said and running the ball, but also stopping the run on the other side of the ball. That's been something that the Steelers have not done very well without James Conner. And you look at their offensive line, and it's pretty darn good, although Marquise Pouncey, a perennial pro bowler, is going to be out of the game. But that's not really the matchup that I'm worried about. How do you feel about that Steelers passing game against the Bills defense?
1: Yeah, Jamie, this is going to be the real big challenge for defensive coordinator and assistant head coach Leslie Frazier when it comes to how to contain Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, Chase Claypool, the dynamic rookie, and even the veteran James Washington, who I guess Big Ben has been calling for his presence to be on the field more because the Steelers have had so many issues with drops. Uh, over the last couple of weeks. I believe Johnson uh, leads the NFL in drop passes. Um, th- this re- this wide receiver core is very talented, and Big Ben knows how to get them the ball when uh, when they're faced with a the, the, uh, presentable matchup that favors them from the secondaries. And to me, Levi Wallace and Taron Johnson, boy, this is going to be a make-or-break matchup for Buffalo. Levi Wallace was picked on exclusively against the 49ers. I believe he gave up... Ten receptions, whether he was guarding Brandon Ayuk, uh, whoever was his matchup, Debo Samuel, he was not good at all. He was vulnerable and picked on. And you know that the Steelers are going to come and go after Levi Wallace wherever he is on the field. Interesting enough, Jamie, uh, as much as we talk about Tredavious White being the all pro and he's certainly turned his season in a better direction the last couple of weeks, the Bills have not been having Trey trail the best receiver for the opposition. They've been kind of letting him, you know, go wherever that he's going to be on the field. He's not directly going up against DeAndre Hopkins week in and week out. He's not taking on the top receivers. So I don't know what the plan is for Trey. I think that th- the theory is that Trey will match up well and do whatever he needs to do to succeed wherever he is on the field, but with Taryn and with Levi Wallace boy, this might be a case where I would almost rely more on uh, the rookie Dane Jackson, who has played very well in small doses. It might be a bigger assignment for him to handle, but I'd almost rather go with him at this point than what we know with Levi, who has been a train wreck at the cornerback too.
2: This is going to be a very difficult matchup for the Bills because the Steelers, they like receivers with size. And we've seen that the Bills outside of Trey White, have issues with two different types of receivers. The ones that are really quick twitch, Levi Wallace doesn't seem to have the athletic ability to keep up with them. Uh, Same with Taron Johnson. The other issue that they have are receivers that are big-bodied type guys. And the reason they have a hard time with that is because the two Bills corners that I just mentioned are they they have smaller frames and this could be a the type of game where the Steelers' scheme ways of getting guys like Chase Claypool who is the Steelers' third receiver but he's 6-4 listed at 238 the guy's a giant out there on the field and you you know that Taryn Johnson who's all of you know 5-8 And Levi Wallace, who's all of 190 pounds, just, they don't have the physicality to stay with those guys. Um, I don't know what the Bills are going to do to try to slow that down because, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster, he's, the Steelers just have great deep threats across the board. That said, Ben Roethlisberger is averaging under seven yards per pass attempt. So they're doing a lot of their work underneath. This could be a game where they employ the linebackers, Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano, to do a lot in coverage to help against these receivers who really have been keeping me up at night.
1: You're right, Jamie. This is a nightmare matchup, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers wide receivers against Buffalo's secondary. Pittsburgh is right up there with Buffalo in frequency of deploying three and four wideouts. I believe 73% of their sets have had three or four wideouts this year, uh, which is a, a dangerous recipe for Ben Roethlisberger, who also has two very talented tight ends in Eric Ebron and Vance McDonald, uh, which will take away from the ability for Milano or Edmonds or Klein to shift back. And help out with the deep threats of Claypool and Schuster and Deontay Johnson. Uh, the linebackers are gonna be stretched and tested pretty big time on uh, Sunday night as well as will the secondary members because, again, these are it's a very loaded Pittsburgh offense. But that's where, Jamie, you talk about Ben not having the, the biggest uh, amount of yards per attempt and yards per completion this year. He's going much shorter than he has. I think a reason for that has been the Steelers' offensive line has been pushed around a little bit. The Cowboys got good pressure on them a couple of weeks ago. Washington got after Ben Roethlisberger on Monday. This is a game where every week it talks about, we seem to talk about the defensive front for Buffalo getting their pressure without blitzing on the linebackers and blitzing Taron Johnson. We The Bills need to get a lot of pressure on Ben Roethlisberger, and I'm looking at Ed Oliver, I'm looking at, You know, Quinton Jefferson, Mario Addison, Jerry Hughes, all those guys who play in the front four need to win their one on one matchups because the longer Ben has to look and find a receiver, he's going to find the receiver more than almost any quarterback out there. I feel like time is such a crucial factor, and the less time that Big Ben has to throw, like any quarterback, the worse he's going to fare. So the pressure up the middle is going to be key to really get after and disrupt Ben Roethlisberger. And another factor, Jamie, that I want to bring up is this goes on both sides of the ball, offense and defense. The Bills need to take advantage of the fact that this Steelers team is going to be fatigued. No matter what way you cook it, this will be their third game in 12 days. That is a lot of pressure to put on these players to succeed and perform at a high level when you're playing three times in 12 days. So employ a hurry up on offense and employ a good blitzing scheme and a pressure scheme on defense to make them uncomfortable. And I think the bills have a blueprint to success
2: and sustain long drives. The bills have, well, they're, the bills are leading the NFL in drives of 10 plays or more. That's going to be key a time of possession is going to make a big difference because we've seen it. The Steelers can score and you got to wear out that defense. And that goes back to something you brought up earlier, which is you got to run the ball in order to eat up the clock.
1: And I think we will definitely see a good, a uh, good amount of running with Singletary. And I think that uh, Zach Moss will get a chance to atone for his mistakes. I think another guy that's going to play a key role, very sneaky, even though, you know, he, he gets maligned by Bill's fans for his, Failed potential. I think the tight ends of Dawson Knox and Lee Smith, in particular, with the blocking, because Lee is going to have a huge role in slowing down those edge rushers for Pittsburgh. He's going to have to bring his A game. He did a very good job against the Niners uh, in their pass blocking scenarios on Monday Night Football. And when it comes to receiving weapons at the tight end, we've seen Tyler Croft inactive the last two weeks. The Bills are trusting Knox more and more to take that big leap. And he's had some pretty solid performances, including that great Dawson's leap touchdown uh, for the game last week against San Francisco.
2: He, to me, is going to be the key player in this game. Because you're looking at a couple of backup inside linebackers playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Plus, the brother of Tremaine Edmonds, Terrell Edmonds, is the strong safety for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He can be beat. And Dawson Knox is very athletic. He's been injured this year. He's not moving quite like he was, but he's getting back to that. And we know... Dawson Knox has problems with drops. This is the perfect week for him to get over that and really make a difference over the middle of the field. He can be a guy who can be schemed open. And I I think you're going to see six catches from him this year, which will be by far the most he's had all season.
1: I would love it, Jamie, if the Bills follow that blueprint and got Dawson Knox involved at that level of, of frequency when it comes to his catches. Because again, this is an opportunity. You mentioned the Steelers being banged up. They're missing three of their top four inside linebackers. We mentioned Devin Bush. Uh, Robert Spillane and Vince Williams are also unavailable. The Steelers are depleted at their linebacking core. This is a great opportunity for Buffalo's tight ends to step up and take advantage of this vulnerability here for Pittsburgh on defense. Jamie, we've covered a lot of ground here. Let's move on to our predictions bound to go wrong for week 14. The Bills are on Sunday night football. The primetime audience yet again, a huge matchup. Buffalo's nine and three. Pittsburgh is 11 and one. This is the Bill's second straight primetime game. They get a short week coming off of the Monday night win over San Francisco on the West Coast, by the way. So they're traveling back. But again, the Steelers are depleted uh, when it comes to some key positions and they're also fatigued three games in 12 days. How do you think that's going to bear out uh, when it comes to the performance on the field? What is your score prediction?
2: Oh, man, I knew you were going to ask that. And even at this point in the podcast, I still don't have a real solid answer to that because it could go so many different ways. But I'm thinking that you're probably going to see the Steelers come out on top, and the reason I say that is I think that a three-four defense is still something that Josh Allen is going to struggle with, and the big-bodied, athletic defensive line of the Pittsburgh Steelers I think is going to be is going to be more than the Bills' offensive line can handle at the at this point. So, despite the injuries, I think that you're going to see the Steelers able to pick the the Bills secondary apart with those excellent receivers that they have. And with, with Ben Roethlisberger getting rid of the ball quickly and on short throws, I think they're going to move the ball and we're going to see some marching down the field. I think that the Bills aren't quite ready yet. You're going to see the Steelers score 27 points. The Bills are going to score 23.
1: So Jamie's got the Bills taking a tough luck loss, 27-23 at Bills Stadium. I struggled with with this prediction because my heart and my head are clearly two different entities, but I think – that Buffalo is going to pull out this victory 23 to 21. I think it's a last minute Josh Allen drive down the field. Tyler Bass, uh, who's again a wild card for Buffalo with how well he is playing at the special teams position. uh, giving the bills some clutch kicks this year. I think the bills drive downfield towards the end, get a kick uh, field goal from Bass to win this game 23 to 21, as much as, Pittsburgh's offensive weapons scare me. I think Buffalo's defense is finally rounding the corner and turning the curve and getting more consistent play. I have a lot of faith that Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer can step up and provide the support alongside Trey White and whether it's Dane Jackson or whoever is at CB2 to step up and slow down the uh, the Steelers playmakers on offense. I think Ben Roethlisberger is a little bit vulnerable right now. If you get the pressure and the blitzes on him, I think he could make a bad decision or two. And really, I just love the way that Buffalo's offense is clicking. The Steelers have a great defense, but they also haven't beaten anybody who has been a, a talented attack when it comes to the offenses. They've only played two teams in the top 16 in passing. That's Houston and Dallas and everybody else. And Dallas had uh, Garrett Gilbert in it quarterback. So, I think this is going to be the stiffest test that Pittsburgh has seen from a passing attack and a skilled offense like Buffalo has. I think the Bills have a little bit more and get this one 23 to 21 on Sunday night football. Regardless, Jamie, it seems like we're both calling for a very exciting game on Sunday.
2: You know, this is exactly what we want. This Bills team is exciting and this is going to be an exciting game and we're going to find out who they are. Going into, what is it, week 14? This is week 14 heading into week 15 uh,
1: afterwards when they get the, uh, the Denver Broncos. That Saturday afternoon game and then they have the Monday night game in Foxborough. And week 17 closing out the year with the Miami Dolphins for what could be the AFC East divisional title on the line win lose or draw moving forward you can come to believe a buffalo bills fan podcast to get your latest news and notes on the buffalo bills with myself john boccasino and also jamie D'Amico. you can get involved with our podcast on social media jamie is at the jamie D'Amico and i am at john boccasino make sure to get involved give your comments and we'd love to hear from our fans uh, on the podcast here on social media jamie as always bring in the great effort great opinions we appreciate you coming on the podcast buddy
2: i enjoyed being here
1: we appreciate you guys taking a, a moment to listen to our podcast here on Believe a buffalo
0: bills fan podcast